0: This morning, after after Christmas thoughts, Uh, because sometimes what we can do is be so focused on what went up has to come down that we forget about what was so important about putting those things up, and and what we do after Christmas is as important as what we do before Christmas and even at Christmas. What are we prepared for next? And and so that is uh, just uh, something to pray through. Let's uh, let's look to the Lord in prayer one more time, Father. We do pray as we look at what you have for us this morning that you might not uh, allow us to box up that which is important for us to remember throughout the year. Might we um, gain from what you want us to to learn from Christmas that should last beyond the 25th, uh, that we might live in such a way that we uh, can be visually seen as people who, who know the Christ of Christmas. And we ask this in his name. Amen. I think we're all aware that there are after Christmas sales, um, I think I was on Yahoo News yesterday and they had 20 major companies that had uh, unbelievably good sales after Christmas and, and usually if you, fall, if you go to any kind of a, a mall after Christmas it seems more busy after Christmas than even before Christmas because people are, are just trying to take advantage of whatever last opportunity to get something at a great price. Well, if that be true about after-Christmas sales, uh, how more should God's people be concerned about after-Christmas thoughts? What is, it, what is it God wants us to linger in reflecting upon what the season really is all about? And for that, sometimes we need to realize that, that we need to formulate thoughts, and thoughts are really words put together in meaningful order in ways that, uh, that have significance. And so this morning, we're, we're going to begin that way. Now, one of the things that always grabs me um, toward the end of the year is that Oxford, the Oxford Dictionary, has a, a Word of the Year. And we know that words are important because we, we look at this book and we believe this is the Word of God? The Word of God. And when we reflect upon who Jesus is from the Gospel of John, we know that Jesus is the Word, the Word that became flesh and dwelt among us. And, and we know throughout... Um, the scripture, there's certain key words that mean significant things for us to reflect upon throughout uh, our lives. The word grace, you know, mercy, and the words that we reflect upon during the Christmas season, you know, hope and, and joy and peace and love and, and all that God wants us to experience. Uh, but I, I wanted to give you what is the, the year, the word of the year, uh, 2015. My nephew who who was a graduate of West Point, was in the first service, and he also got a master's at Oxford. Um, and and this, is, this, is the, uh, this is the word from his institution, Oxford University. What they said was the, the word of the year. And what's unique about this is it's never happened this way before, because in the 2015 word of the year, for the first time in their history of doing this, the word is a pictograph. Well, emojis have been around since the late 1990s, 2015 saw their use and the use of the word emoji increased hugely. This particular emoji was selected because it was identified as the most used emoji globally in 2015. Now, in case you're wondering what in the world is an emoji, let me tell you. Um, An emoji is a small digital image or icon used to express an idea or emotion in electronic communication. Basically, what it's saying when you send out a text uh, primarily you can use it on emails as well, but you can or Twitter. You can put these figurines on the screen that communicate not only verbal communication but visual communication. The similarity to the English word emoticon has helped it become more memorable. An emoticon, y'all want to know what an emoticon is? For those who don't know, it's a facial expression composed of keyboard characters such as a. A colon with a parenthesis, and if you have a colon with a parenthesis, that means a person is smiling back at you. Now, what you might be just desperately wanting to know—shake your head like you're desperately wanting to know. Some of you have already just tuned me out already. But, but the the word of the year, the emoji, which is now the word of the year, which is a pictograph. It's not a a a letter word. Is the face of 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 an individual, and it's entitled, Face with Tears of Joy. And so what you have is you have a circular uh, face, and the person is smiling, but as a person is smiling, there are tears that are coming out. And in many ways, as I think about Christmas, and as I even talk to people about their Christmases, that's somewhat of what they're communicating. Uh, They're filled with joy and smiles because it is a happy time, it is a joyful time, but there's also almost like tears coming down because it might not have been everything they expected or even wanted because of maybe the loss of a loved one that was no longer at that Christmas or somebody that they anticipated to be there didn't show up. Or, or maybe, you know, if it was a child that which was on their list didn't come in a package that he opened. And so they're still happy, but there's, there's, there's tears. And we know there, there is joy in the midst of tears. And often that's what Christmas is. And that's true not only this Christmas, but it's been true every Christmas. In the midst of the one who came to give great joy, mega joy, and peace to the whole earth, or at least an offer of peace to the entire planet then and now, it's only received by faith, There were still the midst of tears in the midst of great joy. And all you have to do, remember the story of Herod going back into Bethlehem and killing every male child. To somehow eradicate the one who was to be the king of the Jews. But not only the king of the Jews, the king of kings and lord of lords. They thought somehow he could control what God was doing. So, in the midst of joy, there were still tears. Well, this morning, what we want to do is, is look at our thoughts of Christmas. And it might be portrayed in an emoji or emoticon with some type of figurine to communicate that which is on the inside to reflect on the outside. Or it could simply come from God's word and say, what is it God wants us to think after Christmas? I think all of us have heard the question, are, are you ready for Christmas? Did, did anybody get that question asked of you? Are you ready for Christmas? Now, the majority of the time when people ask you, are you ready for Christmas, the answer is what? No. I mean, no one's ever fully ready for Christmas. I mean, there, there's still one more card you could write. Uh, there's an email you could send, there is a phone call you could make, there, there's a visit you could have a long lost friend or a friend you haven't seen much of the year. There could be a, a, a gift that's purchased or a gift that's wrapped or whatever it might be, one more food item, one more cookie, one more what a treat that you'd, that you'd want put together. And it, it seems like you're never totally ready for Christmas, but whether you're ready for Christmas or not, Christmas what? It comes, right? It comes. And even if you didn't get everything down on your to-do list, Christmas was, was probably a special time at least. But just as we ask ourselves, and we have been asked, are you ready for Christmas? Probably a better question is, are you ready for after Christmas? Because Christmas is, is at least the focus of the celebration is, maybe you could call it a day and a half, you have Christmas Eve and then Christmas Day. But then, it, then it's the other 365 or 364 days of the year. And so we need to ask ourselves, are, are you ready for after Christmas? So this morning, that's what I want to focus on. It's a very simple message, and, and uh, we don't have the outline on the screen this morning. Um, but we're going to simply look at what, what, some, some thoughts concerning after Christmas. And, and after I put the outline together, a very simple outline together, every, every fill in the blank begins with a letter P, so this message is given to you by the letter P. All right. Except for one, there is a four-letter word in this, this, this message. It doesn't mean it's R-rated, but it, it simply means that uh, God is at work, and that's the other one. But we're going to look at this four Ps this morning as we think about how should we be prepared for after Christmas. And, and when you think about God's message to us, and this is important, as you, if, whenever you read the Bible... Probably the most important thing God wants you to get after you read God's Word is, has God said anything to you about you? But even more important than that, has God said anything to you about Him? And, and really, that should be the focus of Christmas. What, what is it we're remembering about God at Christmas? And not only at Christmas, but after Christmas. And, and we're going to glean this all from the, the the Christmas story. I read a number of you know people... Um, writing about Christmas and their Christmases, and and one of one of the uh, one of the articles I read, oh, I don't know, about a month ago, was um, how Christmas corrects faulty thinking about the Christian life. And um, some are gleaned from that article. Another another one was to what should, what should be some things you ought to leave out of your understanding of Christmas. And I kind of took those as well as my own thoughts and just just kind of brought them together. Four major things we ought to. To think about after Christmas. And the first thing is we ought to think about God. And hopefully that's what you would expect. A place like this. What, what is it I should think about God? And, and the first thing I want to share with you this morning. Is that we ought to be prepared for after Christmas. By remembering that God is patient. God is patient. Now in many ways as I put this on. You know my outline this morning. As I was beginning to think about uh, this message. that, that That's a. Uh, that's a struggling truth for me. When, when I was growing up, I, I used to think I was a pretty patient person. And I found the older I've gotten, and I seem to get older every day, I become less patient. And yet we need to understand that God is patient. And we find that really at the heart of the Christmas story. The Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, in the in the, the verses in your outline this morning, except for a couple, I'll just quote. But this is what it says about why or how Christ came, or even more importantly, when he came. But when the fullness of the, what's the next word there? Time came. God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. Now, that very straightforward verse in the letter that Paul wrote to the Galatians tells us that Jesus came at God's, what? Time. Now, when I get impatient is when some things are not happening according to my, what? Time, right? Can anybody relate to that? When, when things are going according to my schedule, uh, you know, and, and depending upon how I'm doing at that moment, I, I can either be patient or I can be impatient. And so we need to understand that at Christmas, and then after Christmas, we need to remind ourselves that, that God was patient at Christmas, which simply means that, that Jesus came at the exact moment, exact time God wanted him to come, the second person of the Trinity, invaded history at the right time. And if you were with us during the Advent season, we, we talked about how that was so unlike how the people, God's covenant people, were were thinking. Because it had been 400 silent years from Malachi to Matthew, at least chronologically. And they kept saying, God, where are you? When are you going to show up? When? The when issue. When are you going to speak to us? When are you going to relieve the oppression that we're experiencing? And it wasn't just a... You know, a few months or a few years, it was just decades, it was centuries. God had not spoken to them. And what God was doing as an object lesson, say, said, Look, I want you to understand that you need to be patient. It will happen at my time and at the right time. Now, that's true in terms of the global things God is doing the eternal things God is doing, sending His Son. But it's true for us in any part of our life. You know, wh- wh- When we are impatient, what, whatever we're going through at the particular time, we, we think it's not very good and we want God to change it now, right? In Romans 8, 28, uh, we'll look at that in a moment, but as we think about Jesus' first coming, He came at His time, and... We know he came the first time, and we are anticipating, believing he's going to come a what? Second time. And we're all wondering, when's that going to be? And God wants us to know it's going to happen at his time. So be patient. Why? Because he is patient. Look at 2 Peter 3.9. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is, what's the next word there? Patient toward you. Not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to Repentance. So as we are involved in life and as we, sometimes we, we can be overwhelmed by the problems in the world, the ISIS and the terrorist acts and, and then the, the things that might be closer home and th- when things become a mess in our own homes or our own places of work or our own neighborhoods or our own nation, and we're saying, if God doesn't show up tomorrow, you know, this whole world will go to hell, Okay. And we're not talking about spiritually that we think it's just all going to crumble. God has said, look it. Be patient. Things are going to happen according to my time. So as we think about how to be prepared for after Christmas, be patient. Now, just one other thought, then we're going to move on. Part of the reason I struggle with that is because... And it, it seems even more so, um, I'm kind of going down this path, is you know, I, you know, I think I've got so many things on my to-do list that need to get done. There's so many things that, that I, I would like to see happen that I want happen now. And, and God never wants us to be complacent. He doesn't want us to not to work hard or be, be driven in the right direction. But as, uh, I heard this many, many years ago. As you think about Jesus, Jesus got everything done that he wanted to get done. And needed to get done. In fact, at the end of life, he said, it is finished. He was a busy man, but he was never in a hurry. And that's the challenge for us. It's all right to be busy, but it's not right to be too busy. Well, when do I know I'm too busy? When somehow you're in a hurry. And you're not being patient with whatever's happening. So as you go into the, the, the new year, be patient. Because God is patient. And it's a fruit of God's Spirit that we be patient. Again, not complacent, not talking about being lazy, but saying, God, God's timetable is the one I want to be on. And God is always on time. Not, maybe not our time, but His time. Secondly, what to do to be prepared for after Christmas and Christmas thoughts. God is at work, that's the one four-letter word in the outline this morning, even when we don't perceive it. Even when we don't perceive it. I want to read you from one of the articles I I read um, probably a month ago. And and in it, it it really kind of illustrated this as far as God not um, always being perceived about what He's doing. And so often, again, those 400 silent years, it's all pictured in the Christmas event, they were God, where are you? I mean, why aren't you communicating to us? But even, even after Christmas, it was, a, it was an example of, of, of God um, being the one who um, would show up just at the pro- appropriate time and, and he, was, he was working. That first Christmas... After the shepherds returned to their fields, they probably never saw Jesus again. Most of his life was hidden from them, but it didn't diminish the truth that they had believed. And the fact that the shepherds couldn't observe Jesus growing up and healing people and teaching and dying and and rising didn't change the fact that he was doing all these things. They may have been entirely in the dark about how God's plan was unfolding, but it was unfolding nonetheless. We get discouraged thinking nothing is changing or happening because we can't see it. But that is a misperception. So, as we think about some afterthoughts, we ought to be thinking after Christmas. God is patient, but God is at work when we don't perceive it or, or see it. You think about, again, that, that, that Christmas. You know, the shepherds got, got the angels saying and singing to them. You know, some take it either way. Announcing the great news, of great joy and peace to all the earth, they had this mountaintop on the uh, on the sands or wherever they were with their sheep, and and, and then, and then Christmas was over. We never hear about the shepherds that were at that first Christmas again, do we? You know, go shh, where are they? Where are they? They're nowhere in the gospel accounts. They're they're nowhere in the epistle. We don't know anything about those shepherds. It's quite possible. They got one moment of Christmas, and after that, again, it was silence. I was thinking about this passage, and I think probably even a better analogy would be not the shepherds, but the magi. The magi came from the east, and they probably, what, returned to the east, right? Now, there wasn't wasn't social media right there. There wasn't something they'd have constant communication on their smartphones or raising up their internet. There wasn't the, the Jerusalem Gazette that was flowing into their particular country in the Middle East. So after they saw the one who they gave great expensive gifts to, um, the Christ child, the one who was to be the king, it's quite possible they never heard a thing after that. And, And they could have thought, well, whatever happened to that child? I wonder, you know, if anything's going on. And yet whether they heard it or not, God was working. It's like the book of Esther. God is not mentioned once in that entire book in the Old Testament, and yet God was always working. In your outline, I put, I put this particular passage. In John chapter 5, verse 17, it says, But he, this is Jesus, answered them, which was the religious critics, his critics, um, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes. My father's working until now, and I myself am working. And really the context of that, Jesus, just in the uh, the miraculous, he had healed the paralytic in John chapter 5. And they thought it wasn't a good thing to do because he had done it on the Sabbath. And they were questioning what he was doing, his work. I said, you don't understand. This is not just some human event. This is not some charlatan healer. This is God working. You can even see it, but you don't perceive it and so as we go through life in 2016 you know the after christmas thought is that even at christmas it was an object lesson that god is always at work whether you hear it or see it and then even sometimes when you see it you need to recognize this is god doing his thing and what is he doing romans 8:28 says this and we know that god causes all things to work together for good To those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Which, if you can't see or perceive what God is doing, you're well, well, then what is he doing? Right? Well, what he's doing is he's taking that which is not good the slaughtering of all those children after Jesus went to Egypt and he's going to use all that for good even though it's not good. He's going to use it for good. And when we look at things in our lives in 2015 or into 2016, and we say, well, what is God doing? I can't see his handiwork. Well, one, we need to remember that he is working. And whether we ever see exactly all the whys of what he is doing, he's going to use it for good. He's going to use it in our lives that it depends more upon him. He's going to use it in our lives to become more patient and loving and and filled with humility. He's going to use this to draw people to that which is most important. He's going to use this to draw people to to consider Jesus, who is the one who can overcome anything that's horrific in in our lives. He is at work. And that was true in the Christmas story and it's true today as well. Thirdly, not only is God patient, and we ought to be people who pursue patience, and that patience comes from Him. God is at work even when we don't perceive it. And then thirdly, God is aware we are in process. We are in process. Now, what's important for that to realize is that, um, you know, Christmas in many times on our human experience is, is an event, and we're 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 just getting ready for the day, right? Which is just get, let's get to the day or the day and a half, the Christmas Eve service and the, or the Christmas Eve family experiences and the Christmas Day, and, and let's just have a great time with, with everyone. And then the event's gone. And, and we, we need to realize that God loves special events. I mean, you can read that through the Old Testament New Testament, just the, the amazing major things God has done, whether it be the empty tomb or, or whether it be parting the Red Sea, and, and those are recalled many, many times. But life went beyond the party in the Red Sea, right? And and the people had to live out their lives. And, and so we need to understand that God is concerned about process in our lives. Or to put it this way, we, we are to look forward not only to the destination but the journey. Sometimes we get tired of the journey. I'm sure this never happened to you. We have. We have four children. I was going to say we had four children. They're, they're still alive. So they're, we, you know, we, we have four children. And, and as we would take trips, we would do a lot of camping. So we would pile them in the van. And, you know, and when I say pile them, we'd pile them and everything else in the van. And so sometimes you couldn't even see them in the back of the van. It was just – and uh, you, you know, we'd take off. And I'm sure you've never had this question, but you know, sometimes we'd get this question, a very novel question, are we – what the, yet? Are we there yet? Yeah. Ever have that? Okay. Are we there yet? I mean, they just can't. We just get there, right? And, and that's how sometimes we live life. I, I just want to get there, whatever the, there is. I want to get it over. I, I, I want to get the degree, or I want to get the job, or I want to get the skill. Um, you know, there there. There's a scene of James sitting in the front row. I mean. Say musical. I just want to learn how to play the music. I don't want to have to go through all the, the hours of practice. I just want to, I want to be able to play, right? And, and, and guys, look at that. There's process involved. E- enjoy the process. Because the process is part of God's pl- uh, p- plan for you and for me. And, and it's illustrating Christmas. L- let me re- read what one author said, which I thought was fairly insightful in terms of just something simple but profound. And this was in the article of faulty thinking at Christmas that's changed. For, from what I can tell, I'm not alone in terms of struggling with the process idea or the journey. I want to get there now. I'm not alone. Christians find process troubling. We want to rush people through their grief. We're uncomfortable when forgiveness takes time. We look for instant healing and push for total transformation in others without any incubation period. I mean, it ought to happen that fast. Instant everything. Reflecting on the birth of Christ, here's what I realized. Jesus becoming a baby automatically put God's seal of approval on a slow process. Think about this for a moment. The angel announced salvation of the shepherds, but what they saw in the manger was an ordinary-looking infant, an infant who needed time to grow up. It would be more than three decades before the meaning of God's redemption plan would be visible. Now think about it for a moment. Christmas happens in December. How how long is it before we celebrate Easter? Three or four months, right? And and so we look at Christmas and then Easter happens. And and even though three or four months, depending upon your age, can be either a long time or a short time, it's only three or four months. But what was the true Christmas about? That first Christmas, it was Christmas... And then it was 30 years. 30 years. For Some even in this congregation, more in the first congregation, that's more than you've been alive. 30 years before the whole point happens. Because Jesus came not just to you know, splash some miraculous on this earth. He came to give his life a ransom for many. And it didn't happen for thirty years. Now think about it. If you, you think about it, you say, why did he do it that way? Reading on, in the intervening years, Jesus had to endure teething and growing up as a man. He had to learn to walk and talk. He had experienced sleepless nights and countless conversation and callous hands and stubbed toes and as he walked barefoot or in sandals. Why would God do that? Why did he send his son as a why didn't he send his son as a grown man who went straight to the cross or at least straight to his public ministry Jesus spent the bulk of his earthly life in process it means that God's full and unreserved blessing must rest on process as well as completion now you know, looking at your bibles or your outlines this morning there's Pretty straightforward words in Luke chapter two, verse fifty-two. It says, "And Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and stature, and in favor with God and man." Which means, again, I, I, we know because prophetically the Bible tells us He was going to come as a child. Isaiah nine six says, "For unto us a child will be given." Didn't say, "For unto us a, an adult will be given," right? And the government will rest upon his shoulders, and then he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. But we know as a child was going to be born. Uh, you know, in, in uh, Matthew chapter 123, which is a quoting of uh, Isaiah, um, Behold, the, the virgin shall be with child, and shall bear a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. So the life that was put in the womb was not an adult, it was a, it was a baby. And God could have done it any way. We know prophetically he did it the way he promised he would do it. But why didn't God do it another way? Well, one, and, I, and I'm not going to read God's mind from, other than what he has said, but I don't think it's too much of a leap to say this is an illustration, again, of a process, as well as Jesus experiencing everything we've gone through to identify with us fully. And part of what he went through, and the contrast was he's, he never sinned, but he went through the maturation process. And very clearly in, G, in, Matthew, in Luke chapter 2, verse 52, Jesus grew in wisdom, stature, and favor of God and men. He grew in wisdom. Even though he's fully God as a baby, God illustrated at Christmas the process that we need to keep learning and cultivating our mind in wisdom. In many ways, we all need to realize, if, if you stop learning, in, in many ways, you've, you've almost stopped living. Now, we might be limited what we used to be able to do, but whatever we can do, keep learning. Keep growing in your mind. In, in stature, that's, that's growing physically. Now, I can't do some of the things I used to do in my prime, you know, uh, whatever that was, okay, is But I can still try to do as best I can to to be as healthy as I can. He grew in stature. He grew in favor with God and man. He grew spiritually and he grew socially. God wants us to be able to relate with people and care for people. He wants us to to grow in our knowledge and relationship with him. And so process is important. And it's it's an active part that we participate in it. So then, my beloved, this is Paul in Philippians chapter 2 just as you've always obeyed, not in, is in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. And, you know, we usually behave a lot better when the boss is around. We behave, we, we are more studious when the teacher or professor is in the classroom. You know, whatever it might be. When the coach is looking, I'm going to, you know, run out my laps or whatever might be a little bit faster than I would be if he wasn't there. He's saying, look, at, don't just do it when they're watching because I'm watching. And, and, and your plan and, and what I have for you is work out. Your salvation. Now, he didn't say work for your salvation. He said that which God has put into your life, which is, which is the Spirit of God, and, and, and you, you now become a new creation, and you are, you're new in Christ, take that which God has put in and work to get it out so it shows itself on the outside. Then do that with fear and trembling, which simply means give it your all. And then I want you to understand, this is not where you're left alone, for God is at work in you, both the will and the work for his good pleasure. So God is at work in you to have you work out that which He's put in. And God is concerned about process. Which, in many ways, that what's one reason you can be a little bit more patient, because as Paul put it, you know, that which God began in you, He's going to complete it. So just cooperate with it. So what are some things we ought to be prepared for after Christmas? Is to, to just be aware who God is. He's patient. And we need to be patient. Doesn't mean complacent, but we ought to be pursuing life to its fullness, and and not be in a hurry, but being focused, but being patient. Secondly, we need to we need to really believe God is always working, even when we always can't perceive it. And thirdly, we need to realize that that God wants us to enjoy the journey in the midst of anticipating the destination. There, there are a lot of times I wish I you know it was just over. Just let's just get it over. God says, no, I want, you to, I want you to be part of that journey. And then finally, is, is we need to realize that God is fulfilling His plan. He has always fulfilled His plan. And I'm going to give one analogy here just for a moment. But I read this one article, and this is a different article, when he said, uh, this was an article where it said, five errors to drop from your Christmas um, understanding and one of the things that this author wrote his, his fourth or third one was don't be embarrassed by the Jewishness of passages um, in referring to Jesus coming and this is what he wrote the first chapter of Luke contains two lengthy hymns that have traditionally been called the Magnificent uh, which is Mary's song in Luke chapter 1 46 through 56 and the Benedictus which is Zachariah's song in Luke chapter 1 and those are just simply Latin terms but these passages, or at least parts of them, are at times neglected because they are rather lengthy and express Jewish hopes in God's salvation, without a clear indication of what salvation would look like. Their deliverance, as we know it in retrospect, comes in the form of Jesus' death and resurrection and the expanse of the gospel. But his promises come true. I want us to read a couple passages out of that, and then I want to make a simple observation, and then then we'll be done. But in Luke chapter one, in Mary's experience, at the end of that passage, she she writes this about what Christmas was about. Again, this is the the point that God's plan is fulfilled is, is illustrated at Christmas, but it's to be remembered after Christmas. He, this is God, has given help to Israel, his servant, in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his descendants forever. We know that, that God's plan will work out because his plan has always worked out. And because of his promises to Abraham, he said, I'm going to bring that which I had said I would do for Israel, my covenant people. In the words from Zacharias, as he prophesied, he said this, Blessed are the, be the Lord God of Israel, for he visited us and accomplished redemption for his people. In the midst of the Christmas story, it's, it's very Jewish, and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of David, his servant, as he spoke by the mouth of the Holy Spirit of prophets from of old. Salvation from, now listen, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. That's what it said It happened in the Christmas story that, that, that the one who has come is going to save his people from all their enemies and the people hate them. Let me ask you a question Has that happened yet? Are, is there anybody in the world that hates Israel? Are there anybody that might be their enemies? As we think about that, either God's plan is not going to happen or or God's plan will be happening. There was a deposit laid when Jesus came the first time, but we're looking for his what? Second coming. And, And the reason we can be believers of his promises that are applied directly to us is because God is always faithful to his promises. It goes on and says to show mercy toward our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. The oath which he swore to Abraham our father to grant us that we being rescued from the hand of our enemies may serve him without fear and holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And so God's plan is, look, I'm going to take those people that were not chosen because anything within themselves, but I'm going to use them as a light to demonstrate that my plan will happen Because I'll be faithful to my promises. And I'm going to take this people. And I'm going to deliver them. Uh, But that hasn't happened completely yet. But there's going to come a time. Where the enemies of of God's covenant people. Israel will be defeated. And God's. All of God's promises will be fulfilled. Now the point for us is. is, As we go through life. And as we go through life's challenges. Is we can believe that that God's plan will be fulfilled in our lives as well. That the promise of Emmanuel, God with us, is true for us. He will always be with us. Same word to the Apostle Paul in Hebrews, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And whether we're perceiving his presence or not, he's still there. You know, whether, you know when, a, when a tree falls in the forest and you can't hear it, did it make a sound? Well, yeah, you just didn't hear it. And when God seems far away and you don't sense his presence, he's there. And so as we think about, you know, what's the, what's, what's the afterthoughts for Christmas? It's are you ready for after Christmas? And God is saying to you, what you can learn from Christmas is that I am patient and I've always been patient. And you could see this at Christmas. That I'm always working, whether you perceive it or not, and that's always been true, but that was true at Christmas. That, That as you think about what I am all about, it's not just about the destination, but it's the journey, and process matters. So believe that God is still working in and through your life. And then when sometimes you feel like the world's totally out of control, that God's plan will be fulfilled, no matter who gets elected, all right? And we we ought to participate in all that and vote, you know, our conscience, and as we understand God's principles. But look at whoever gets an office, that's not the most important thing. What's most important is God is in control and that God's plan will be fulfilled. Are you ready for after Christmas? Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that you can be trusted. And you have trusted us with your, your mission, your, your great mission called the Great Commission. And we pray that we might be faithful just to be sharers of the good news to others. But, Father, maybe someone here this morning doesn't know you in a personal way. We, we would pray even today they might get in on your program by just doing the ABCs of the gospel, A, admitting their need and turning from their sin, believing, believing that Jesus Christ died on the cross for their sins and rose again paid the full penalty and see committing committing to follow Jesus as their Lord their leader their God their Savior and asking you to come into their lives and forgive you forgive them of all their sins father help us to be a people ready for after Christmas by believing in who you are and your plan for our lives and, and the lives of people on this planet and we praise in Christ's name amen well, let's stand for the